With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The views and opinions expressed by hosts, invited speakers, and callers do not necessarily reflect the views and opinions of the Black Talk Media Project or the Black Talk Radio Network. the same way. They put this club upside your head and then turn around and accuse you of attacking them. Every case of police brutality against a Negro follows the same pattern. They attack you, bust you all upside your mouth, and then take you to court and charge you with assault. What kind of democracy is that? What kind of uh, freedom is that? What kind of social or political system is it when a black man has no voice in court, has no nothing on his side other than what the white man chooses to give him? My brothers and sisters, we have to put a stop to this. And it will never be stopped until we stop it ourselves. Welcome to Political Prisoner Radio. My name is Scotty Reed, broadcasting from behind these enemy lines known as USA Inc. Welcome. It is uh, May 3rd. Happy birthday to my daughter, uh, Gabrielle Hill, wherever she is. Uh, happy birthday to, that's my youngest daughter. So, of course, got to give her a shout out. And she just also gave me a uh, a brand new granddaughter, my first granddaughter. I already got two grandsons. So with the, with those personal shout outs out the way, um, I do want to welcome in the t- listeners to Political Prisoner Radio. Of course, as you heard, um, we broadcast every Sunday night at nine o'clock PM Eastern time right here on the Black Talk Radio Network. Myself, uh, our co-host, co-producer, sister Amijo Whitlock, who I didn't know if we will be able to contact tonight because of the, um, rebellion that is going on in her home city and uh, the things that she has been involved in just to help her community so I know she had been busy and would have fully understood if she couldn't join us tonight but she has joined us tonight Uh, good to hear um, you with us uh, sis good to have you with us sis I'm sorry Hey, Scotty, greeting. Um, <laughs> I'm excited. I'm also really, really tired. I've been out here almost every night for the last uh, 15, 16 days. And uh, um, work has happened. Um, you know, just young people, courageous young people across Baltimore City you know, standing up and defending self and fighting back. And, um, you know, one of the main issues happening now across the city is, you know, how the processing of, uh, you know, those people that have been kidnapped off of the streets. Um, And we can't really even, like, 
it'll say that they were prisoners because they're not being processed, you know, as prisoners. They're not being given charges. So they're just being detained. Right, they're detained without charges. Yes, kidnapped off the streets. You know, um, not given any charges and being released with uh, documentation that is just simply a citation saying that, you know, they broke um, curfew. And that citation is no different than, you know, a simple citation that you would get if, you know, um, you were getting a warning from, you know, a traffic violation um, that is not an offense that um, is an, an incarceratable you know, offense. It's not and a criminal it's rather, offense. It's like a civil right. penalty. Do they have to pay a yeah. fine? Um, well, in a lot of the paperwork that I'm seeing from the releasees, it says nothing about a fine. Okay. It just says that, you know, people have to show up to court for a specific date. So, so it does give them a court date with no, a court date yeah. with no charges. Yes. Uh, it just, you know, a violation of you know, the bangers curfew. Um, and, you know, there are a lot of things that were happening today. I spent hours. I was at the jail at 5.30 this morning and, you know, just there working to support people who are being released. We have food, water, uh, a lot of items and things that, you know, people to have. And, you know, it's just very impactful for people to come out of the jail and see that there are people there ready you to know, support them and mm. cheering them on yeah ready to support them and think um we had like boxes of cigarettes and you know um flowers and you know like some of the women who chose to you know have flowers um you know, it's just a really amazing experience. Wow, that's you know, a great just, story to hear. I'm glad, and, and, yeah. and they probably heard it for the first time right here on Black Talk Radio Network. You know, yeah. people showing up to thank uh, these these people who were detained without charges, thank them for their service mm-hmm. on behalf of yeah. the people. That's great. Yeah, food, water, sandwiches, hot food. Um, I mean, just a variety of items that were brought there. So. Anybody that would come out of the uh, what was considered our central booking and our process center, um, you know, all came out um, to cheers and, you know, thank yous and, you know, whatever was along, you know, the wall that we had, um, they were able to take and eat and grab whatever they wanted from coffee and donuts to, you know, hot food plates and all kinds of stuff. Well, I do want to let the listeners know, in addition to uh, discussing uh, Baltimore uprising, the ongoing rebellion that really, you know, is nationwide. And it's really, I view it as a continuation of the, you know, Black Lives Movement that got started in the wake of the murder of Michael Brown. But we do have an open lines tonight. We don't have any scheduled guests um, I also checked the political prisoner birthday calendar. We don't have any birthdays coming up, but we do have an anniversary coming up. And uh, sis, uh, refresh my memory. What's the anniversary involving the move coming up? Is this the uh, anniversary of the bombing? Yes, in 1985. And that is when? On, on May 7th? 
May 13th. May 13th. Um, and there's a series of events coming up in Philadelphia um, in, in commemoration of um, that action that the state took against the Mo family. Now, tell the people 1985. 1985. Now, right, I where, want... you know, um, they chose to drop a bomb on Move Home, killing, you know, men, women, and children, as well as, you know, countless animals. And eventually the fire had burned so badly out of control that it destroyed an entire neighborhood of uh, more than uh, 62 homes. I mean, it was. And I know you don't mean to do this, sis, but the way you described it, some people may be mistaken in their belief like this was some kind of fire that got out of control. But as the title of one of the documentaries about it would suggest, uh, what is it? Let it burn. Um, let the fire burn. Let yes. the, yeah, let the fire burn. The, uh, you know, first the fire department tried to drown the people in the yeah. house and flooded it flooded the house so the fire department worked with the police department you know to terrorize this black family and then the FBI um assisted the Philadelphia police in, with a C4 bomb explosive that they dropped on this house and then again allowed these neighborhoods to burn down and you said that was in 1985 I was in high school in 1985 um I do not recall that never heard about it until probably about four years ago when I first met you through Sister uh, Marpessa, and and mm-hmm. so now that was in 1985. We see the same dynamics at work here today because the Philadelphia mayor was a black man. Um, let me see. You had Ed Randell, Ed Randell, who would later become a governor of Pennsylvania. Uh, I think he was the prosecutor or the district attorney, which that role is being fulfilled right. by Seth Williams right now, a, 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 a black man, or I should say an African-American. And so we see those dynamics playing now in your city, you know, with Mayor right. Rawlings Blake and with Anthony Batts, you know, uh, again, black, you know, as Cornell West said, black face of white supremacy. Right. Well, it's also um, important to also note um, the um, political career of uh, Frank Rizzo and mm-hmm. the police um, chief. Just, right. So he was actually the police commissioner um, for many years, and then he also became the mayor. And um, within his uh, from nineteen seventy one to you know, um, the late uh, the early 80s um, his administration whether he was the police commissioner or the mayor um, you know he used his leverage to terrorize um, the black community, Black Panther Party, Move Momia and um, this past week during one of the Philadelphia Solidarity rallies with us down here in Baltimore um, everybody took great pleasure in reporting that they had been trying to, uh, one of the actions was to literally destroy, um, the statue, um, that was created, um, in honor of Rizzo, of which, you know, of course, activists and organizers don't see that as an honor to have, you know, this Rizzo statue in the middle of Philadelphia. Right, right. 
Well, I do want to let the listeners know, I mean, what, what kind of coverage have you been seeing, um, of the Baltimore uprising? Have you been watching Fox News, MSNBC? You know, I have seen a couple of instances where a couple of activists were interviewed and they were speaking truth, speaking truth to power in the brief, you know, uh, minutes. If, if it was a minute, you know, they were allowed to speak to everybody throughout the mainstream. But if you would like to make a comment, you got some observations you want to share, uh, call us 530-881-1400. The access code is 549-032 pound. You hit star six in the number one and that will put you in the caller's queue. You can also call us on the studio line. That's easier to remember for those not on the website. That's 704-951-5030. 704-951-5030. Now, I know from listening to some of the uh, different uh, radio programs on the network, Sister Mijo, and people discussing Baltimore, even people calling in from, from Baltimore and um, a, a lot of discussion, I even wrote about it, about, you know, the children who we saw video, the students, um, that we saw video of throwing rocks at the police and police even throwing rocks back at them. And, you know, and, and, in the whole, uh, you know, sideshow with Toya Graham, Miss Toya Graham and her son, um, and, and people trying to portray him as being bad and was engaged right. in a bad thing. But what's not being reported, if you can confirm this for me, I've already written about it and I've heard it from other sources, but I want to know, you know, you as a person in the city, you know, if there's any veracity to the reports that Homeland Security, along with the Baltimore police, uh, um, um, yeah, the Baltimore police and including the mayor, all, you know, none of these decisions were made by one agency. They all came together, made a decision to shut down public transportation, even uh, stop the school buses from dropping these children off at the points they're supposed to drop them off. Um, and they didn't put the school on lockdown since they, you know, uh, those actions, you know, they looking at it like there was a, a credible terrorist threat so I mean why else would you shut down the transportation system but at the same time why haven't you why didn't you put these kids on lockdown in the school and had their parents come pick them up but instead it seems like these kids were turned loose to fend for themselves and make it home for themselves I mean what what have you heard yeah I mean it was definitely a setup um there's a long history between students at Douglas High School and um, as for our listeners, we're talking about the Madame and Mall area. So Frederick Douglass High School, as well as Coppin State University, um, are directly across the street um, from Madame and Mall. So there's been this long, ongoing history to where, you know, people inside the mall don't want, you know, the youth in the mall, you know, hanging out, having a good time. You know, which would be the same very typical thing that, you know, white children would do, you know, in suburbia and other malls, you know. Yes, those issues live. have been raised in the past in Charlotte as well, in the, right. you know, down in this area. So I, I would agree with you that this is common wherever we have children. People don't want them to, our black children to be in public spaces. 
Right, right. And in this scenario, the youth had planned some kind of an action, and they were immediately met with National Guard. So, you know, they've been threatened by National Guard, and their opportunity to get out of harm's way is also being, you know, taken away. And even for children who, you know, may have not have wanted to, you know, participate at all, right. you know, um, and completely innocent bystanders, you know, could have really, you know, gotten hurt in the fact that, you know, they had sent the National Guard um, to, you know, confront these children. So um, let's be clear on one point. May, may I be asked, let's just be clear mm-hmm. on this point. It was the, all the government entities that, that I, uh, spoke of earlier, they shut down the transportation for these students. Mm-hmm. Is that, mm-hmm. that's true? Yep. Okay. Yep. Yep. They were left to fight and defend for themselves, you know, and it's interesting that in the beginning, Stephanie's attitude was, you know, all these outside agitators, you know, I'm so worried about these, you know, alleged outside people, you know, supposedly coming, you know, to Baltimore um, to, to do things, whatever those things were. Um, so when Saturday night was the first time that any kind of, you know, action or direct action um you know, evolved in um, the Baltimore Rebellion. Because um, most people, it's, it's, it's rather annoying that, you know, some people would say, you know, this, what is protest versus what is not protest? Or the, you're not doing it right, or violence is not the answer kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So, you know, on Saturday night, um, Saturday night, day number... Um, yeah, very early on. Sorry, I'm really tired, so I can't remember exactly which day it was. Probably more closer than a week ago, um, when we were down at the harbor, activists and organizers were marching around the harbor, and, um, what honestly caused the violence, um, down there at Camden Yards was that white motherists were ramming activists and organizers and, um, you know, hitting them literally with their cars and yelling, you know, foul, racist language, and it was drunken white baseball fans that started a confrontation at Camden Yards. And, um, you know, um, during that time is when a young man named Alan Bullock um, chose to pick up a cone and uh, smash multiple police cruisers. Um, Is that the young man who's turned himself in? He turned himself in. And, um, you know, there was many, many journalists, a lot of people that were down there, you know, um, photographing. And his picture was, you know, posted all over the place. Um, And his family did advise him to turn himself in. But, in fact, his mother is very upset now and wishes that she had never um, talked her son into turning in. Um, Alan is 18 years old, uh, one of our key freedom fighters down here. Um, He has the highest bail of um, all those um, formerly charged during um, the Baltimore uprising. 
His um, bail is $500,000. Uh, he's got eight different charges. Three charges eight of... Eight different uh, charges. Man. Right. He's got three charges of malicious destruction of property over $1,000. One count of theft over $100. One count of disorderly conduct. Um... One count of riot, which carries um, the largest weight, and there are two other counts that I can't remember right now. Um, so eight charges in general. Um, I was hoping this morning that I would be able to get to see him, um, but they had the facility locked down, and they were even making it very difficult for some of the lawyers to get in the building. And I understand this bill is a half a million dollars, right? It's $500,000, which means that the family has to come up with $20,000. And there is an Indigo, Indigo account that I've been sharing over and over and over. Okay, I haven't seen that. Let me see if I can go to Facebook and share it right away on our Facebook page. But, uh, yeah, and, and people have been, you know, observing that. His bail was much, much higher than any of yes. the six officers who, uh, yes. you know, uh, one of which is facing murder charges. Yeah, the highest bail of the six was um, uh, 350 grand. And his was, five, and Allen's was 500 grand. And he didn't kill anyone. Right, right. And he's still incarcerated. You know, the police were out the same day. So, you know, his mother, noting that hypocrisy, realized that she should never talk her son into uh, giving himself up. No, no. Uh, But a lot of our people are making mistakes under pressure because a lot of times, you know, some of them never experience a confrontation with the system like we have uh, been seeing. You know, not anything that was organized, but, you know, organic movements uh, popping up in the wake right. of all these police killings. And I see it. I'm on your page, the Indiegogo um, link. Click here to support. Help the family of Alan Bullock post bail. So I'm sharing that uh, with the listeners on our Facebook pages of BlackTalkRadioNetwork.com as well, of course, political prisoner radio so if you could chip in please chip chip in sis please continue yeah i mean definitely the last time i just looked at um alan's kitty he had a little over five thousand dollars and we just need people to you know keep sending support you know to that site um there are a couple other you know sites where people also raising money uh, one site that's strictly for, you know, sustainable funding um, for future um, actions in Baltimore. And um, another one is specifically for, um, you know, a community bail fund. But we, I mean, the family and other activists and organizers really strongly felt that, you know, it's very important for, you know, the family and Alan to, right. know, to well, have his ha, ha, own bail fund because he essentially is right now, you know, um, the, the key political prisoner um, down here. One of the other prisoners that, that everybody was quite worried about um, was um, a young man by the name of Joe. 
and um, you know, Joe was found and he was released. And um, even the same situation in New York with Ramsey Orta, where you know he was arrested um, not too long after um, having handed in um, the video of the police killing Eric Gardner. We also have a situation down here of a man named Kevin Moore who had um, shot the video of the police um, brutalizing Freddie Gray. And not too long after he had showed that video, he had got locked up. Um, and then he was released on his own with absolutely no charges. So still... Harassment you know, and intimidation. Yeah, oh, very much, very much. And I mean... I, you know, I've been telling people that, you know, uprising here, you know, is far from over. This is just the beginning. And that, you know, it's not over until every one of our people are free and home and safe. And those six police officers are behind bars. do want to remind everyone the telephone number is 704-951-5030. Again, that's 704-951-5030. If you're already dialed into the conference line, just hit star six and one, and we will get your comments on air. Um, I do want to take a station identification break, and then we'll come back on the other side. And I want, I, I want to toss this out there. I've been seeing this article right. Well, I've seen it in a number of media, but you got the conservative and liberal media outlets out there questioning why black people would participate in this activity of stepping on the corporate flag of, of this uh, government. This government is a corporation. I'm talking about USA Inc., right? And you got this guy who I think he should be watched. He should be monitored closely. He is a, a former U.S. Marine. On He's listed as a public figure. I don't know what that means on Facebook. You know, maybe he got a TV show or something. But he's former military. He's got his sniper rifle or his whatever gun, you know, as his profile pic. You know, just a really threatening-looking sociopath. And he doesn't agree with the First Amendment expression. And he even uh, made a blanket statement about veterans wanting to stomp in their effing heads. I'm going to keep it clean for our listeners down there in uh, South Carolina listening on WMXP. Uh, but yeah, effing. So y'all know what that mean, right? I don't think, uh, the, the FCC will find anybody for saying effing. But well, anyway, uh, I want to talk about that on the other side. And, and what are your thoughts? I, I certainly have some thoughts on this, uh, viral challenge of black people or whoever, uh, want. They certainly black people aren't the first to step on the flag, to burn the flag. And they, you know, lots of people throughout, uh, history have done that to that flag. But when I see all these people trying to demonize, uh, further, black people demonize them further and then, uh, act like that flag is so sacred and not acknowledge what it represents for millions upon millions of people then they're being disingenuous to say the least. So if y'all got any thoughts on that, you know, y'all can hit us up. Also, a new mapping project says that 17 of the largest cities in America, the United States, 
uh, black men are killed by police at a rate higher than the U.S. murder rate. So again, open lines, open forum tonight. Uh, we're talking about rebellions against the system, the kind of thing that causes people to be political prisoners and why, you know, this program also seeks to educate you on, uh, current uh, U.S. held political prisoners and prisoners award. This is Political Prison Radio. We'll be back on the other side. May appear a confusing blur of activity, each ant doing its own thing, but it can't be. Somehow the ants coordinate their actions so that large insects are overwhelmed, killed, and carried back to the base. You are tuned in to the Black Talk Radio Network. For podcasts and live program scheduling, visit us on the web at blacktalkradionetwork.com. Uh, the, the power structure has successfully created uh, the image of the American Negro as someone with no confidence, no militancy. And uh, they had done this by giving him images of heroes that weren't truly militant or confident. And now here come Cassius, uh, the exact contrast of everything that uh, was representative of the Negro image. He said he was the greatest. Uh, all of the odds were against him. He upset the odds makers. He won. He became victorious. He became the champ. They knew that as soon as uh, if people began to identify with Cassius and the type of image he was creating, they were going to have trouble out of these Negroes because they'd have Negroes walking around the street saying, I'm the greatest, 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 greatest. He can always raise an argument about law and order because he never talks about justice. But black people fall for that same argument and they go around talking about lawbreakers. We did not make the laws in this country. We are neither morally nor legally confined to those laws. Those laws that keep them up keep us down. You got to begin to understand that. For 400 years, she taught you white nationalism and you left it up. You taught it to your children. You had your children thinking that everything black was bad. Black cows don't give good milk. Black hens don't lay eggs. Black for funerals, white for weddings. That's white nationalism. Santa Claus. A white honky who slides down a black chimney and comes out white. We can't equate progress with concessions. We can no longer make that mistake. You see, when they gave us that nigga astronaut, you say we were making progress, but I told you they were going to lose him in space. He didn't get that far. You put Adam Clayton Powell in office and you couldn't keep him. What do you think they're going to do with Thurgood Marshall when they get tired of him? They gave you Walter Washington of Washington, D.C., and you say we were making progress. That's not progress. See, it's no in-between. You're either free or you're a slave. There's no such thing as second-class citizenship. That's like telling me you can be a little bit pregnant. 
told you about. A college protester stomps on the flag, and now that disrespect for America takes a whole new sick level. My name is Erica Walker, and I am about to do the Eric Shepard Challenge. Hands off EJ. your play. America is upside down. This is so hard to watch. Well, it's called the Eric Shepard Challenge, named after a self-proclaimed terrorist, a member of the new Black Panther Party. Here with reaction is former Navy SEAL Carl Higby. Thanks so much for being with us. Where does this come from? I mean, this girl obviously thinks it's cool to stomp on the American flag. I mean, these people are uh, the de-evolution of America right here. This is a growing problem in my generation, Generation Y, where uh, we don't respect authority. We don't respect any of uh, the rights and privileges we have here as Americans. And I think that uh, people like this need to be be showed up. I, I, I'm a small government guy, but I would say that it's time for our legislators to introduce something to make it illegal to, to disrespect the flag and maybe even treat it like a citizen. So there you have a veteran, a former Navy SEAL, who's saying that legislatures are to pass laws to outlaw the First Amendment, uh, freedom of speech, expression of these people. And he almost said there, and, and he probably, it was a Freudian slip, but he said these people need to be shown up. He want, he know he wanted to say these people uh, need to be shot. Because many of, you know, these racist suspects that post on social media have been saying the same thing. And he wants to blame it on a de-evolution. You know, those are cold words. Of course, you was hearing that from from Fox News. And why would anybody, you know, want to disrespect that flag and nobody has respect for authority and things of that, that nature. And for those that don't know, I spent six years to my shame in the United States military as a communicator specialists uh, have VFW status meaning veteran of a foreign war again to my shame during the Gulf War for uh, six months um, you know I, so you know by people just saying oh he's a Navy SEAL or he's a veteran and he's a service member look many of our political prisoners that are in prison right now that was part of the black liberation movement were Vietnam veterans so you know they could take that patriotic like they you know have some kind of authority and and cause they served in the military and they blindly follow orders like little drones you know like they speak for you know uh, uh, millions of other veterans and if he you know uh, ask him you know why is there a problem with rape in the military with the rape of males and females a lot of homosexuality you know going on rape you know just everybody it's a free for all just rape it don't matter rape you know women men soldier on soldier violence and uh, i'm sorry i didn't mean to go on that rant you got any thoughts on that sis about you know uh why would you know non-white people step on that flag and dance on it and she was doing like you know uh, i think it was the iggy shuffle or something on that flag so i mean what are your thoughts sister medium I believe Sister Amijo has fallen asleep on us live on the air. Uh, I'm not kidding, folks. Uh, you know, she has been out there in the field, as she uh, stated to you, uh, since the uprising uh, started. So we are not going to uh, 
you know, let her get some rest. So again, if you have any thoughts on any of this, you can give me a call at 704-951-5030. So again, you know, many of the early founders of the various chapters of the Black Panther Party, uh, also later will become members of the Black Liberation Army were all former veterans. And even then, you know, they were drafted. They were drafted. They weren't given a choice. Uh, they didn't sign up or, you know, they didn't get into the military through the poverty draft be, uh, cause that's how I ended up in there. Didn't want to go push my family, you know, into further financial distress. So in, to get money for college and take out these student loans that, you know, that quite frankly has, you know, uh, caused my sister some, some pain, you know, but anyway, Many veterans, uh, again, uh, they go into the military and, and then, you know, they reflect on things and they grow just like every other human being should be doing as they read and they educate themselves. And, you know, pretty soon, you know, what does it say about the intellect of a person who, you know, has been taught from birth to salute a flag to you know say that this flag represents freedom and liberty for all and then you know to grow up and you know it's not a freedom and liberty for all you know that the United States is doing terrible things you know throughout the world you know that Bush lied you know the CIA torture people you know that they are just snatching up Americans with no charges all of that is legal. What they have exercised in Baltimore is the Patriot Act. Just like they snatched people out of Italy, uh, uh, off the streets of Europe, off the continent of Africa, from all over the world, and now got them down there in Guantanamo Bay with no charges, being held for 10 years or more. These people. So that's what that flag represents. And if you you can't acknowledge that, I'm not even going to call it cognitive dissonance because you you know it's being reported all over the mainstream media because they cannot deny it with all these whistleblowers going coming forth. So don't sit up there in your little suit with your little flag lapel. Play yeah, like I mean, definitely, you know, even the whole narrative over like. Those have been falsely, you know, detained and imprisoned, you know, and and shifting, um, you know, the work and the energy behind, you know, supporting um, folks that were engaged in various forms of, you know, resistance. Um, there's a lot of, you know, very horrible um, things that, you know, have happened over uh, the last two weeks plus. And in those situations of, you know, community people being, like, flat out, you know, harassed. But a young lady this morning uh, around 5.30 when I got to jail that, you know, she was just simply outside welcoming, you know, her boyfriend home um, who was on his way from work. And in the midst of opening the door, walking over, you know, um, a few feet um, from her front door. The police arrested her and her boyfriend for violation of curfew law. Wow! And, um, See, and, and he want to talk know. about you know 
constitution and respect in this country when it has long treated us you know what i'm saying like you know like you just want to get rid of us you you know they don't want us to be here because one of the things they'll say to you is if you don't like it leave it you know what i'm saying they don't even yeah, I really yeah, they, when i hear that yeah they don't even say well you're wrong you know, Thomas Jefferson didn't rape a, a, a one of his enslaved African females named Sally Hemming, and now they try to portray it like they had a romantic, you know, like she willingly was giving herself to this to this white terrorist enslaver. You know, they don't even deny it because it's his it's history. You know what I'm saying? And so, uh, please. That's why I say there could never be any unity that I could see between revolutionary people and the so-called patriot movement. Because the so-called patriot movement, you know, which worships that flag, they also celebrate, you know, genocidal maniacs who stole millions of acres. This entire country is, is a crime scene. And so they can't right. argue with you on that point. So they just say, if you don't like it, then leave it. I mean, what what kind of idiotic response is that? Because you right, can't defend and, it. Right. You know, you can't defend these criminals. So anyway, since we got a phone call, I don't know how long they've been hanging on. Sure. Area code 480, you're on Political Prisoner Radio on the Black Talk Radio Network. Go ahead with your question or comment. Uh, good evening, um, everyone. Good evening. And thank you. Um, my comment is... Uh, I know you were talking about the um, uprising in Baltimore and then the flag, so-called misuse of a flag, mm -hmm. where I don't understand that term anyway because the whole concept of the American flag is to misuse people and, and that's how it was designed and that's what it symbolizes to me. But um, I just wanted to say real quick because it's been on my heart and in my head real, um, these last two days is I want to remember all those that died during Hurricane Katrina. This is the 10th year anniversary. Thank for you for that. reminding us. And with all, it, it came into my head because of what I'm seeing right now and the atrocities that were we witnessed during that event, the carelessness of humanity and black lives and how it did not matter, not one iota. Mm -hmm. And when when you were talking about the schools being shut down, and then the children released without proper transportation home. The parents weren't notified. And it just, it was reminiscent of Katrina to me mm -hmm. all over again. Mm -hmm. Well, you know, um, some of us activists, you know, um, behind the scenes um, foreshadowing and just understanding, you know, movement across the country um, regarding police brutality, um, you know, from, you know, issues of the case of Oscar Grant in California. And I think, you know, very important to, to remind our listeners that, in fact, Anthony Betts, the commissioner of Baltimore, um, fled from uh, California, Oakland, California, with the blood of Oscar Grant's hands um, to Baltimore. And essentially, you know, Betts has um, bloody hands from coast to coast and that um, people understand that here on the ground, you know, we were devising, you know, an immediate, you know, response to what we knew, you know, was, was coming our way um, if we, 
you know, engaged in, you know, an, an uprising. So, you know, we had, uh, you know, legal partners uh, ready and available, uh, lawyers, um, legal observers, community bail funds. We also had a system of uh, street medics so that people were deployed to um, all the different um, community actions and protests. So, you know, in fact, if a, a protester was attacked um, by police with pepper spray, with tear gas, that our medics would be able to pull, you know, that person to safety and to continue to, you know, support um, the resistance. And these are stories that, like, you're not going to hear on um, CNN simply because, you know, um, for the safety of those individuals that were engaged in those kinds of activities. Um, because then, you know, we become targeted um, because we're essentially supporting the resistance. And last night, you know, there were multiple, um, you know, uh, healthcare workers as well as um, legal observers who were attacked last night. And um, so this, that brings me back yeah. with the preparedness that you showed in your organization and the people that you're associating with in our community. That just goes to show all that we've learned. Because during Katrina, there was a vast movement of African Americans. I myself tried to get to Katrina with the Nation of Islam at that time, and we were blocked from assisting our people at in mm-hmm. that that community. And the police brutality issue also applies to Katrina right. because of all those prisoners that were allowed to die and drown. They never even and, made it and, out of their and cell. And sister, um, don't you remember the Dan Zanger bridge where they fired on those uh, black people that was coming in? The police did. And, and I think they killed right. one individual on the Dan Zinger right. Bridge, and then they uh, also tried, I think it was about five or six officers for a murder of a man, and then they tried to right. burn them up in a car to get rid of the evidence, so yes, you're exactly right, police brutality, as well as as well as you know the US government telling you that black lives don't matter that national guard troops and mercenaries cuz private security uh people were sent in there uh, uh confiscating your guns uh confiscate you know what i'm saying and and, and, and we were denied the ability mm-hmm. to help our own people which right. is more than the, the story she's saying like without her coming on black talk radio's brother Reed, you know, we wouldn't understand that there is more ground roots things going on on the level that we're never going to hear about. And that's what happened during Katrina. We were stopped from coming into our own community and aid ourselves. Mm-hmm. So I applaud sure. the people of Baltimore and, and, and for sticking prior together and to, getting it done. Right. And even prior to the U.S. government's supposed intervention, they had stopped the country of Cuba from coming in to assist who has an, that has an amazing, you know, system of emergency response, who was set and ready, you know, to assist um, mm-hmm. the United States. To deploy and known to Louisiana. For, mm-hmm. Right, right, and known for, you know, the impressive, you know, educated, highly educated, you know, Cuban doctors that are dispersed around the world. And they uh, sent a... Um, a shipload. I remember this. Y'all bringing back headlines to my memory, and I remember a Cuban ship with with emergency supplies was also turned away. 
Mm-hmm. Cruise ships were too. There was a couple of cruise companies that said that people could come on and they can have the bell house and take care of them, and they were denied. I mean, this is what I say to Caucasians and proxy racists. You know how many times we have tried to get on our feet and you people just keep on kicking us to the ground. I'm so tired of people saying we don't come together, we don't support each other. We have done it time and time again, but we are kept intentionally and systematically away from each other. They want to create just enough static. Just well, enough you know, static. one of the issues here in Baltimore yeah. was, uh, you know, was the pitting of, you know, um, this is how you protest versus, you know, this is how, this this is not the way to do it. Violence is not the way, you know. And many of us here were, you know, very much understanding that there was no violence here, but community uprising in self-defense, you know, we don't agree with the concept of using the word looting. You know, people were, were you know, a- appropriating resources. Um, this was, you know, this is a military occupation um, here in Baltimore. Uh, the military police and other law enforcement um, being called in from around the state. And um, within... Just like old-time lynching, they, the, they used to come from all counties to participate mm-hmm. in the terrorism right. of, of so, our community. Right. So, you know, okay, with, so I'm going to list it online. Scenario, Okay, right. okay, okay, caller. Thank you for a zero. Um, yes, it's Isa two out here in, in Arizona, brother Scotty. <laughs> okay, sister Isa two. Okay. Thank you. Uh, okay, bye. Right. So you know, within this scenario, there was this constant argument of you know this is not the way to do it, and you know, oh, issue of the respectability politics, and you know, the young people who you know stood up and fought back. You know, they're they're courageous freedom fighters. Yeah, and, 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 you know, they did what you know, they did what they needed to do mm-hmm. and you in know, the situation the city, they were placed right. in. They were forced right. into that situation. Right. They, they shouldn't have been in, out there to right. begin with. We do got another caller that that right. is uh on the line. We got about eight minutes left in, in the program, so I'm gonna jump right to this caller, sis. Area code nine seven three, you're on political prisoner radio. Uh go ahead with your question or comment. Yes, my uh, question, my comment is this. I just want to uh, thank you so much for all the work that you're doing in Baltimore. We really, really appreciate it. Um, I'm, you know, I'm in the New Jersey, New York area, and there were two programs that I caught today. I catch every every week, but I listen. I Al Sharpton does a program out here on Sundays. It's called The Hour of Power, and he had mentioned something uh, that he wants to really put put his best foot forward. And it has made the pivotal difference in the case in Baltimore, also the case in New York City. You know, they always say it's up to New York. I don't think so. I think that it's not up to New York. It's up to everybody. But it's in respect to the special prosecutors. It's because if we look at Marilyn Mosby, she's a special prosecutor. She did what she had to do. She did what she had to do. No, she's not a special prosecutor. She's actually the Baltimore City State's attorney. Okay, attorney, but she did, we don't, well, what happened in the Gardner case, you saw the video, and that guy who was the prosecutor did not do what he's supposed to have done. So we do need, and she, she's not a special prosecutor, she, you know, she's a state prosecutor, excuse me, please correct no, me. No, she's a Baltimore City State's attorney, and uh, what a lot of other people don't know, and this isn't reported in the media, 
Um, prior to, uh, over the last nine months, uh, Maryland's legislative session um, started in January. And, and way back in August, activists and organizers began meeting with public officials, with community and grassroots organizations to lay out a legislative plan from, you know, those protests in August regarding Mike Brown, Eric Gardner. And we had 25 bills, you know, in our state house. And by the legislative session, by the end of the session in um, April, um, none of those bills had passed. And it's ironic because three of those bills were associated to appointing a uh, special, a state special prosecutor. And now that the police have been charged, it's funny that they would now be arguing to say that, oh, Miss Marilyn Mosby and, hey, Governor Hogan, we won the special prosecutor appointed mm-hmm. for this case. Something and they we're thought. like, wow, that's mm-hmm. interesting. You didn't mm-hmm. want it when we were pushing for it, but now it's okay. Mm-hmm. So what is her yeah. position right now? Is she still going to continue on this case or what? Um, Marilyn Mosby is the Baltimore City State's Attorney and her role um, as a city state's attorney um, would be to continue to fully prosecute this case. Um, Marilyn is not originally from Baltimore, so I don't um, know her, know her. I was very impressed uh, with her press conference, as I'm sure a lot of people around the country were very impressed with her press conference. Many of us here locally were kind of angry that we had not seen her anywhere. Um, she was not anywhere in the media. She didn't participate in any of the police commissioners' um, press conferences or the mayor's conference or the mayor's press conferences. She was absolutely ghost. You know, that's how we well, thought we were like, "Yo, what's going thing. on?" Right, and we were thinking like, "Okay, do we need to go and you know protest?" You know, at her and her husband, who was also a politician, do we need to go and protest at their home? Because that was the next stage that we were looking at. And now, you know, that we see that, you know, this whole time she understood, you know, the wielding of her power and her position as the Baltimore City State's Attorney, you know, what her role is. Mm. And, that you know, she came in, and I think that the press conference was very noticeable nonsense she shut it down she made sure that she didn't say anything you know or align herself with anyone that she thought would jeopardize um you know the the cases against prosecuting you know these six police officers who who you know and and this is one of the things that you know people need to understand that in fact um this was an illegal detention and an illegal you know arrest and the um, alleged uh, uh, pocket knife that Freddie had um, on his person that was only discovered after they had stopped him and, you know, started um, frisking him and, and, and doing things to his body. That in fact, that what he did carry was something that um, was lawful in the state of Maryland. So his arrest was, was a false arrest. Um, and even the whole, you know, running wild black piece, um, from the very beginning of that police contact, um, it was, it was all wrong Mm -hmm. from the very beginning. And I think that, you know, 
she kind of laid that out, but I don't know. Like, I've been so busy, you know, being in the street and doing a lot of behind-the-scenes work and strategy work with the young people, um, and I'm older. So, you know, I've done a, a lot of work to try to be behind the scenes, you know, to push, you know, our young people. Um, I mean, I'm just so happy um, to be somebody born and raised here in Baltimore. And, um, you know, I just thank all the other activists and organizers around the country for all their solidarity events, you know, from Seattle to Denver to Philadelphia to New York, you know, hundreds of other activists around the country, you know, who are also um, under the gun, the communities under the gun, who saw what we, you know, were, were going through here in Baltimore, you know, um, and I just wanted to, you know, say thank you to all of those organizations that did that around the country. All right. Well, can, continue the good work. Thank you so much. Thank you for um, mm-hmm. chiming in, caller, and sharing your thoughts and asking those questions. Uh, Sister Mijo, do we have uh, anything that we need to uh, inform people about? I just got um uh, email that says uh, that there is going to be a letter writing for uh, a letter writing dinner for anarchist political prisoner Bill Dunn on Dunn. Dunn on five twelve and Oscar Lopez Rivera on five twenty six. Right. Well, I think it's really important. While you know Baltimore has gotten a lot of media attention um, over the last several weeks. I just want to keep on bringing that discussion back to our brother, Momia Abu-Jamal. He's still, you know, um, not himself. There's still, you know, threats, um, you know, to his life, to his person. Um, You know, we still need to keep on fighting um, to get a private physician and to see him and to make sure that he gets um, the the medical services that he needs because mm-hmm. you know right now um, he's still you know not functioning how he could be functioning and there's been you know some videos sent out about you know the his ongoing um, medical crisis so I just wanted our listeners to make make sure that they knew that you know um, Momia is not you know he's still not well. And um, that even though we've been focused on Baltimore, you know, to uh, keep calling, um, keep writing, keep faxing, sending emails to, you know, our Department of Corrections in the state of Pennsylvania. Right. And I do want to mention this. I'm sharing it now uh, on our Facebook page, Political Prisoner Radio, because I mentioned this at the beginning of the program about this mapping project from 2014 so let me get that shared uh on our facebook page again if you're on facebook uh check out our page political prisoner radio um not only like the page to get you know information from it but then you have to click on the check or you have to check get notifications so then all the work that you know people do to share stuff with you and keep the information flowing you know it won't it won't happen because facebook wants to make you go an extra step to be connected and to get information from pages so always remember that you know like the page and then click on get notifications um 
I mentioned this, and I'm going to just be real brief. Uh, at least 304 black people were killed by police in the United States in 2014. Uh, get the facts about police violence in your community to make a the case for change. Um, here are some of the bullet points, and they got a little interactive map uh, that shows you all over the United States where black people have lost their lives. It says at least... 1,149 people were killed by police in 2014. 304 were black. That represents 26%, even though we only represent, they say, 13% of the population. Uh, black people were nearly three times more likely than whites to be killed by police in 2014. Um, at least 101 unarmed black people were killed by police in 2014. 40% of all unarmed victims were black. Uh, police killed at least 16 more black people in 2014 than in 2012. It says that where you lie, where you live matters. A black person is five times more likely to be killed by police in St. Louis than in New York City. A black person is 10 times more likely to be killed by police in Oklahoma than in Virginia. Um, it says it's not about crime, despite the fact that Newark and St. Louis have similar crime rates and demographics. Police killed four black people in St. Louis and zero in Newark in 2014. It doesn't have to be this way. One black person was killed nationwide in Canada in 2014. There are more black people in Canada than Missouri. So that's just some other information that you can get, get, um, there, share this map with other people. Um, I just also tweeted it out through our page, our Twitter page, Black Talk Radio. So, um, if there's nothing else, uh, Sister Amija, we're going to let you go ahead and, and get some rest because I'm quite sure the work is not done. As you mentioned earlier, it's not over with and, and there's a lot of work yet to be done. So we thank you for that, sis. And, and we want you, you know, to always keep safe. Thank you. Good night. Good night, everyone. Make sure that, uh, you catch, uh, us. Catch the network tomorrow of uh, the Abolitionist Daily will be the first live uh, streaming of the day. That's at 11 a.m. p.m. Eastern Time. I mean, excuse me, 11 a.m. Uh, Eastern Time. This has been Scotty Reed and Sister Amija Whitlock for Political Prisoner Radio. Peace and blessings to all.
guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW group. Void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.